Welcome on in to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard, the Wednesday show for you today, the only place for you to get daily Orange podcasts. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, where we've got Tim's latest Twitter game Tuesday up. That's from yesterday. And Tim, I like what you did with uh, the latest Twitter game Tuesday. A little DraftKings lineup for everyone yeah. out there. A little bit of a twist to kind of, you know, it's pretty similar to some of the other all-time lineups. The $15 one gets passed around a lot, but I don't know. Honestly, I just had fun putting together what the hypothetical prices would be because I always do the DraftKings golf, and it just made me think like, oh, I I know who's usually in the 10,000 range in golf. Well, who would be for Syracuse? So it's kind of fun to do it that way. I like that. I like that how you you, you use golf to – to get it back yes. to to Syracuse <laughs> basketball, love it. So, um, before we get into today's show, and today we're going to be talking a lot of basketball, some recruiting stuff, also some football recruiting stuff as well. And then Jim Beheim is very against starting this season in the new year, so we'll get to that first, but in just a second. But Syracuse football is now in phase three. How about that? They've done a pretty good job of yeah, good for them following their safety procedures and all of that. So what phase three means is basically full unit pods. So the offense, the entire offense can work together. The entire defense can work together. And this is coming off of when the pods were about 20 people in size. So the fact that they're at this point now, I think is pretty good news. And we'll see. We'll see what happens because, again, they can follow all the safety protocol they want, but it may be taken, the football may be taken out of their hands at some point by higher powers. So yeah. We'll, well keep we you updated the news on all with, that uh, stuff. Cuomo and what he announced. Right, uh, yep. So no we, fans at right. the Dome. Although it looks like Syracuse still wants a little clarification on that to make sure that they're applied to that. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Right. But who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, this is 2020, the year of the unknown. So anything I saw goes. DeVito quote tweeted that with the sort of head in your or hand in your head emoji a couple times and – you know, it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And as you said, we'll just see if anything turns around here, but not looking great on that front and kind of not a surprise to see the fan stuff come out. Yeah, won't won't be the Loud House this year, but that's okay. Um, won't be a Loud House for anybody. No one's going to have that noise advantage. So we'll see what happens with the football season. But let's talk some hoops, Tim, because Jim Beheim is throwing down the axe on starting in the new year for this college basketball season. Basically, what he's claiming is that the players will be safer at school than at home from that pretty much that post-Thanksgiving period till the new year. And what he means by that is the fact that most schools, I, I can't speak for every school, especially in the, the Division One basketball ranks because I don't know. I haven't done my research on all 350-plus schools, but most schools – are are attacking the pandemic this way with their um, with their breaks. They're going to go from pretty much some are starting early, but basically after Thanksgiving break, finals and every other part of class is going to be online only. And Jim Beheim basically says that that's going to be a lot safer for these players. And when you think of it from that perspective, I think he's actually largely right. Yeah. Because of the fact that this is essentially the bubble that you're creating for college sports. But at the same time, then you also can dive into the argument of, okay, if 
students are deemed not safe enough to be on campus, why should athletes have to be on campus? Yeah, so Kevin Willard came out and said some stuff earlier in the week, the Seton Hall head coach, and Beheim actually brought up in this article that Mike Waters wrote and when he was speaking after they had a practice today, and there were some photos that leaked of them wearing masks while doing the practice, which honestly was kind of interesting to see, but looks like that's all going according to plan. I like the new masks that I think I've seen a lot of them in baseball where they're pretty much full – I guess like turtlenecks almost. Yeah, and, I know what you're saying. It's, yeah, yeah, they, they, I like those. They're they're kind of they're not ski masks, but it's like the bottom part of a ski mask in it. I've seen it a lot in baseball. I like it. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like the ninja headband that the the NBA players. It's it's the mask version of that. Yeah, no, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So anyway, Willard came out and said basically that's your prime window of opportunity is. Well, everyone else, the general student population, is away from campus in that final stretch post-Thanksgiving. And Beheim, he said, get these guys in and get them tested and play from Thanksgiving to January when there aren't any students on campus. It's going to be a very safe environment. I agree with him. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but that probably is safer than being, especially if you're in a hotspot state, which... I guess only time will tell what states will be hotspot when it's November. But, you know, the other quote that he brought up in this article and he said is basically, what's the difference between January and November? We're probably not going to have a vaccine that's ready to be mass produced and ready to make an impact to the general population or the college athlete population by January. So why, if we're planning on starting January... You know, why not just start in November? When I first heard Beheim's comments, I was like, oh, of course he's saying that. doesn't surprise me too much. Let me see yeah, what his was, points are. I was are. in the same camp when yeah. I heard him, too. But, I mean, I kind of agree. Like, what's the difference between Jan 1 and November 10th, he said? And especially when he brings up the fact that students won't be on campus for a lot of these kids and the desire for these kids to play. I think that's been proven a little bit. He alluded to... Some of these other sports, he said, you know, the NBA bubble is doing good. Baseball is coming back. Soccer's back. And these athletes are doing well because they they know what's at risk if they mess up and they go outside the guidelines and then they do test positive. So they want to play. I don't think he's – I don't disagree with him here. And maybe that's a little bit surprising for me because I'm obviously of the camp that safety is first here. But I think he makes some good points. So here's how I think this has to work. First of all, there has to be a zero consequence out clause for these players. If they're high risk, if they just don't feel safe playing through these circumstances, maybe there's there's something going on in the family too. There has to be a zero consequence out clause for all of these players where they can retain eligibility and not have the risk of their scholarship being revoked on the table if this is going to be successfully pulled off. Then on top of that, I will say this. He touts the success of the NBA soccer TBT. That's different than this, though, because... Yeah, it is. And the NBA and TBT have their bubbles, okay? And everyone also, NBA very... could be a failure. I mean, we don't really know Right, yet. we don't know. But so far, too. everything looks really good for NBA. Um, but 
those are bubbles. Those are enclosed spaces. There's no one really leaving. Well, you can't leave the premises unless you are leaving like what we saw with Zion Williamson yeah. or Montrez Harrell. And then you can come back and there's an extensive quarantine process on top of it. So there's that. But on top of that, you also have to think of it from this angle too. soccer. That's that's the closest, I would say, to what the NCAA wants to pull off. And of course, it's it's very similar to what baseball is trying to pull off. But those European leagues, well, MLB, first of all, is or MLS rather is in a bubble in Orlando, much like the NBA is. And then these European leagues, they're in countries where the the rate and, and the positivity rate and the deaths, they flatten the curve very, very well, a lot better than what the United States has done. So when all of those factors are thrown into it, that that's when you look at it. And I don't think the success of the NBA or TBT or, or soccer really matter for how college basketball can happen or college football can happen in the fall and in the winter. So if if that we'll see what happens with baseball because baseball I think is a yeah. much better indicator of whether or not this is actually going to work but baseball is even different in a sense too because think about it these kids are going to have to be on campus with kids that are largely in the demographic of either not caring about coronavirus or have virus fatigue so it's very different because these baseball players, they don't have to subject themselves to all that stuff. These college athletes, they kind of don't have a choice and, and they kind of do have to be around the kind of the idiocy that's surrounding the, this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is if we're at a point in November where it does not look likely that colleges will be on campus in January and students will be able to you know, have somewhat of a semblance of normal on-campus life by January 2021, then to me it's like, why start the season? Because, you know, the season can only keep going if you're allowed to kind of push through the time. Because Bayheim's point is only for a certain window there. And right. I agree that that's probably the best window of time to do it. But if you start the season, you got to finish it too. And, you know, there's talk of the winter is worse for the virus. The second wave, you know, I don't know what no one really knows what's coming. But if that if you don't feel great about a season being able to push through in January, February, you can't start it in November in my eyes. No, absolutely not. And I don't know. We'll see. Is it going to be more bus trips? And there's so many logistics that you have to work out. Again, some of these bridges you're just going to cross once you get there. But we'll have to see how it all works out. Also, another interesting thing that he brought up, I don't know if he brought this up or if Mike Waters, who wrote the article, was kind of speculating about. And maybe some some things were said off the record. I don't know. But could Jimmy Boeheim be on the move? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I think – Beheim said the quote, what's the point of playing your season, senior season if it's just 12 or 14 games? So it must yeah. have been a, a direct Beheim thing. So maybe Jimmy Beheim's on the move. Who knows? Maybe maybe he's got a, a spot with the, the Orange. I, I think they still have one or two spots open. Um, yeah, he's kind of shot that for down this year. in the past. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, but, hey, extreme this, circumstances. Yeah, this changes things. I think you know, he did say he disagreed with the Ivy League decision, and he was bummed for Jimmy Beheim And... That kind of shows you that 
maybe you look at it and think, oh, Ivy League sports, like that's not that big of a deal. Well, Jimmy Beheim's a prime example of someone that we kind of know as the, the Syracuse community. And it kind of, I don't know, once I saw that, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of forgot that that applies to Jimmy Beheim. Yeah, and the also the other interesting thing is, okay, if Jimmy Beheim opts out, there's probably going to be a number of other Ivy League guys who opt out too. So that could open up a transfer market, whether it's for this season or next season. And Syracuse, I mean, we saw them look at a couple of Ivy League guys who are transferring this past offseason. That could open up that market again for them in 2021. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some basketball recruiting stuff. The Orange offered another four-star wing. We'll tell you about Justin Taylor in the class of 2022 next. But first, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. You know, it's the summertime. It's hot outside. And guess what? Everyone does not want to do during these months. Sit in a hot auto body store while your car is getting fixed. No, you can go to rockauto.com and make things so much easier. Not just that, you're going to save a chunk of change as well. They give you the best prices because rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers because guess what? There's hundreds of manufacturers out there that are making cars these days. There's different makes, models, all that stuff. You need the right parts for your car and you're going to get that at rockauto.com. Their catalog is unique and super easy to navigate. Tim's had a blast and an easy time trying to go through all that stuff and fix up his old Jeep. And guess what? You too can also get the same easy service that rockauto.com can provide. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com and see the parts that you need for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we're the ones who sent you over to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so some basketball recruiting news from the other day. Justin Taylor, four-star wing out of the Charlottesville, Virginia area, number 49 in the 24-7 composite class of 2022 guy. And he's another one of those wings, 6'6", small forward, getting some high major interest, especially out of the ACC when you look at NC State, Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia is interested but hasn't offered yet, but you'd imagine Charlottesville guy, four-star, he's probably going to get that offer at some point. And then some other notable ones, Butler Marquette out of the Big East, Maryland out of the Big 12, and then a handful of local mid-major schools as well. So highly sought after, and Syracuse kind of going a little out of where they're used to in this Charlottesville area, kind of going right into Tony Bennett's backyard for a guy like Taylor. But I think he could bring a lot to the table for this Orange team. That's certainly going to be looking for wing help at, at this point. Yeah, we've continued to see them address the wing area. And it seems like, you know, two things come out from the guys that they've been offering recently, most of them at least, and especially in this 2022 cycle, is they are really good, like four-star better, top 50 typically, I mean, this 2022 class on paper, the number of guys they've offered and the percentage of guys they've offered that are four and five stars has to be the highest in quite some time for Syracuse basketball. They definitely no yeah. are confident that Dior Johnson has started this class. And as we've talked about, he can be a guy that will bring in more players, more high caliber, four and five stars, and they continue to kind of aim for the stars and just keep throwing out offers. Now, obviously, they always throw out offers to good players, to the five stars, but 
the lack of offers to a three-star or a guy that's outside the top 100. Now, it's still early, and the just the number and the volume of offers to top 50 guys is higher than normal. And also, the other thing is, we've seen recently that they've definitely had an interest in small forward and putting out offers to small forward because it seemed like they hit guard very early on, and Zion Cruz, who's the Oak Hill teammate of Dior Johnson, excuse me, he obviously has been on the radar for a while. J.J. Starling, a couple other guys, Chance Westry. You know, we've talked about Roddy Gale is, I guess, more of a forward, kind of more of a combo, I guess, kind of like Westry could be. But point is, they seem to go a lot of guards early. Now we're seeing the small forwards rack up. And I like what they're doing here. And I, I think Justin Taylor's tape is is really solid. Seems like a good shooter. I'm, I'm a little worried because you watch his tape, and he, he does seem like a Virginia guy a little bit. Yeah, he and does. As you mentioned, Charlottesville. Tony Bennett's had this kid just groomed since he was in, like, the fourth grade, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really think they're going to be tough competition, not knowing anything, of course, just outside of he grew up in Charlottesville, and they've expressed interest. No offer yet, but as you said, I, I think – we can anticipate that they will be tough competition here for Justin Taylor. By the way, speaking of Dior Johnson, did you see that he deleted his Twitter? Yes. And all of his Instagram posts are gone too. I don't yeah. know what our, our social Sherlock clues, I don't know what this leads us to, but it, it's it, it's going to lead us to something. I, I'm not ready to give the full verdict on what it is quite yet. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's show. Yeah, I I really don't know what to think of it either. I don't think it means a ton. Syracuse wise really I I think it kind of means I don't know what it means well but it means some people I mean I think you could look at it as this is a positive I guess uh some people are kind of throwing that out that now it shows that he's just sort of shutting off his recruitment maybe but I don't I don't know if I yeah I don't know about that (laughs) that's optimistically thinking I just think my my assumption or my guess based on nothing is he's just sort of sick of social media and i mean we're we're dealing with literally a teenager here i, I don't mean yeah. that like in a bad way i just i know how i thought when i was that age and he's kind of done think some... about it. when you were 16 years old if you're shutting off social media something drastic i i, I don't know i don't know what's going on in his life but that yeah. that's a drastic move it's so, pure speculation. It's just, to yes. me, it, it's not like he went in and deleted some of his Syracuse-related posts, which did happen at one point, and that was right around the time when everyone was transferring, and we sort of talked about how maybe that was a bad sign. Turned out, you know, he came out and said, come on, man, it's just social media or whatever, which, I don't know, I, I it was very surprising to see the Twitter just completely scrubbed, because... Honestly, he's got a ton of followers, and it, it takes a while to get that many followers. And yeah, I'm guessing he just deactivated. So once he does come back, it'll he'll get all the he'll have all his followers back. Yeah, but... I don't even know. Like, I've never gone through that process. So I, is that something you can do? And then just yeah, bring I think it you back? can just deactivate an account. And he'll, he's I don't probably know just the exact... doing that then. Yeah, because I mean, again, we are dealing with. Is he still 16? I know when he committed yeah, he, Syracuse. He, he probably like just got a driver's license, to be honest. Right. So. It, it, maybe not even. So sometimes it, you just got to understand, like, maybe he just woke up one day and was like, I'm sick of Twitter. He got an angry DM or something, which 
is completely likely. I mean, the guy is yeah. kind of a celebrity in, in a weird yeah. way. Not kind of. He, he is. Yeah. He is a celebrity. So, so okay. Anyway, back to, to Justin Taylor. So when you look at, and you brought this up a little bit, there's a clear target that this team needs wings, and you're going to have to replace a guy like Buddy Beheim, who is going to be a, a high-caliber player in the ACC, Alan Griffin, who I think can be a high-caliber player in the ACC um, in this 2022 class, and seven of the 11 guys that 24-7 has listed as guys that Syracuse has handed out an offer to, their height ranges between the six foot five and six foot seven. Love that height range, and to me, that screams all right. We, as a program, are looking at trying to bring in a high caliber wing to replace guys that were very productive for us during their college career. And then two other guys are six foot four and could easily grow into that six five to six seven window, maybe even six eight window for for by the time that they're coming to Syracuse in that class of 2022. So, I mean, again, these guys still have plenty of room to grow, not just in skill, but in size as well. So yeah, that shows me that there's a lot of emphasis on shoring up this wing position for the future. Yeah, I mean, that's the future of basketball, too. If you really want to get down to it, it's 6'5 to 6'8. Right, yeah. I mean, six, look at the top to guys six, in the NBA year after is... year after year. It's all... It's all these threes. I mean, you think about guys like Kevin Durant, Giannis. Yeah. Even though they're they're a lot bigger, they they serve as that three position on the basketball floor. LeBron three, Kawhi three. I mean that that's the position. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because they're switchable then, and that doesn't really apply to his own defense as much. But you still like the ability and someone like an Alan Griffin who they just got for him to be able to play at the top and have height and also be able to play in the back half of the zone on the wings, which is really nice to have that versatility. Versatility on defense still holds up for the zone, and height at the top of the zone is obviously something that I think they lacked a little bit this past year with Gerard at the top. And you remember back in the day in kind of the late, 2000s early 2010s it felt like that was a huge asset for them when they had someone like a Michael Carter Williams who's got such a long athletic frame he was a very good example of that but I'd like to see them continue to have six five guys at the top of the zone and I think Taylor at six six already would be a great addition to the top of the zone or even maybe he develops his strength a little bit and his athleticism and is more of a wing guy too, but definitely a knockdown shooter and a game that I think is pretty easily transferable to the college level. Like I think he could come in and play and make an impact just because he can shoot. You can rely on those guys more than maybe someone who's so used to slashing to the basket and getting their points that way. And then all of a sudden they're going up against bigger centers and quicker guards defending them. And it's like, you know, maybe a Jalen Carey type where it's didn't quite translate because it was just a little bit tougher and the competition got him for a little bit at times and the turnover started to add up. If you're a shooter, which I'm not saying he's just a shooter, but shooting translates and Buddy Beheim, it may have taken him a little bit originally because he was just shooting terribly. But once he started making shots, it was like, oh yeah, like this guy's going to be good for a while. And he had his role freshman year. And then obviously he's grown from there and added some other elements to his game 
One of the things that really impresses me about Taylor is the fact that not just can he shoot, but he can create his own shot. He's got a pretty good handle. And just making that space to get him just that little bit of window for him to get his shot off. Because he he doesn't have the quickest of releases, but he always has that ability to create enough space where he doesn't need yeah. that rapid-fire Steph Curry-like release to get his shot off. So I think that's, that's going to be really important for him. And also, he could just score in a variety of ways, too. He can do the mid-range. He can do the, the three-pointer. He can do the deep three-pointer. He can get to the basket and slash. I One of the first things I saw in his highlight tape was a monster dunk, one-handed dunk. I think it was an alley-oop. And he just soars up there and gets it. He reminds me a little bit of Tyler Hero. And yeah, I, like I think that, that would be a, a really good player for Syracuse to have in the pipeline if if he does end up playing like my comp of Tyler Hero. I love Tyler Hero. He, he like he I love him in it. the NBA. I love him in college too. Uh but yeah, no. I think that would be a really good player for Syracuse to have in this class of 2022. Anything else you want to get to with Taylor 2022 any of that stuff? No, not really. I did see I'm just scrolling through 24/7 right now and Syracuse is no longer the number 1 ranked class in 2022. Oh, who- well, can Amani I guess Bates who jumps? And, oh, okay, okay. Michigan, so Michigan State. State. Yeah. Sorry, Michigan I, State I, has put together a, a nice class because they got Amani Bates. They also got well, I think that he was twenty twenty one, but Max Christie. Yeah, um, he was because he was they only had Bates yeah. listed here. Okay, well um, that would make sense. Yeah, but we're number two, so you know yeah. maybe they can get back to number one with the uh, you know, one of these guys who wants to commit. I don't know. If, uh, if that, that's probably unrealistic, it's probably going to take some time. But or hey, still. if Dior if Dior reclassifies to 2021, now you're looking at being in, in oh, yeah. like 350th, right? With, with nobody. Oh, <laughs> what, what's going to happen yeah, there? Yeah, but 2021's looking like. But 2021, yeah. yeah. Then, then you're really cooking. All right. Right. So coming up next, we're going to talk some more recruiting, but we'll move to the football side of things. A Syracuse offensive line target committed elsewhere in the ACC. We'll talk about him and the rest of this 2021 offensive line class. That could be for the Orange. That's next. So the Orange definitely looking to bolster that offensive line, an offensive line that led the the entire Power Five in sacks just a season ago, number that we think can certainly improve, a unit that I think got better as the season progressed, and hopefully that can translate whenever the next time they hit the field is. But one of the players that they were looking for this class of 2021 to add, Lyndon Cooper, has decided he is going to go to NC State over the Orange. The Orange and the Wolfpack, the only two power fives in his final six, and he is going to opt to stay a little closer to home. He's a Georgia guy, and so he's going to go to Raleigh and join the Wolfpack. To be honest, when I look at, I mean, we've been talking a lot of football recruiting, a lot of recruiting in general, but... This feels like only the second guy where the Orange has really been in the hunt for that they've lost out on. The other one that I can think of is Riley Leonard, but correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. I mean, yes, I Syracuse right. has obviously lost the battle on uh, probably hundreds of recruits in this 2021 cycle just because they put out so many offers. But I think that of the guys that they are really truly in on, this is probably only the second guy that I've seen them truly lose out on. Yeah, and kind of similar type of school to lose out on down in North Carolina, also right. in the ACC, because Riley Leonard, of course, was Duke. I I was kind of bummed with this one, and not so much because I was 
convinced that he was coming. We talked about how there was a crystal ball out there for NC State. It was sort of, the writing was on the wall by the time he announced the other day. But it was one of those where I'm still waiting for them to get a recruit. And I don't want to, you know, I'm hesitant to say this because maybe I'm forgetting an example. Justin Lampson's probably the best example of them getting a recruit where they have beaten out a school that is potentially at a higher caliber right now than Syracuse being, you know, he had a Louisville offer, which I think given what Louisville did last year, surprising some people, maybe in just the sort of the tradition of four stars that they get compared to Syracuse yeah. recently. I agree. I would yeah, say that definitely. that was a good win. But outside of that, I, I think when you look at some of the offer sheets, they have put together a nice class so far, and I'm very excited about the class, but I haven't really seen a whole lot of them topping a program like an NC State. So I was excited to see, oh, like it'd be cool if, if Lindy Cooper was like, I have the NC State offer, and it makes a lot of sense for a caliber player like him to go to an NC State, but he said, no, I actually like what Syracuse was pitching a little bit more than their ACC brethren in this case. So a little bummed because I'm, I'm kind of waiting for one of those. Maybe it's Deuce Chestnut. I know he dropped That's some stuff on Twitter. That's the big one Twitter. right now, yep. Yeah, obviously, we're really excited for that decision, and we don't know if it's him, but he said some good stuff in regards to Syracuse. I think Cooper, if we had to guess, Syracuse was number two here, and you're going to miss out on guys. We always joke that, you know, we, we should have a running joke if, if you miss out on someone like, oh, like, that's the yep, end of the stock world. Down. Mm-hmm. Right, stock down. We, we should just crawl up in bed and and get angry for the rest the of the world day. is crashing down tim Syracuse <laughs> right. losing out on another recruit yeah no but i think okay so when you evaluate this offensive line right now you've got two guys in the class so far you only had two offensive linemen commit a season ago usually you get about at least when dino has been the head coach of this orange program usually you get about four guys in the class so a little lower last year, so I'd expect, especially when you're bringing in a new quarterback, to kind of play on the same timeline as these yeah. guys. Well, I guess they also gonna... had Ryan Alexander last year coming in, too. Right, that's true. And, and yes, they have liked the transfer route, especially at the, the tackle spots when you yes. look at yep. Coda Martin, Ryan Alexander, Chris Bleich in, in the, the newest class, although I think Bleich might play guard. But they like to also pick up some experience on offensive line. I kind of like in... I, and I like the approach that Dino takes when he does yeah. that. And I, I liken it to how I think MLB teams should approach starting pitching in free agency where you don't necessarily have to draft them and, in this case, recruit them. Like, you obviously have to do your work and hopefully some of them pan out. But it's not the worst thing in the world to pick over the transfer market or, like, in baseball, free agency and pick out a guy who's – maybe proven that he can do it at a, a smaller program or yeah. has been very competitive at, at a bigger program. So I don't I mind love the, the transfer, transfer out. And I think, I, yeah, especially at the offensive line position too, I think yeah. that can really show you and separate the boys from the men, especially right away. Anyway, that's my little baseball rant because guess what? Baseball is back. <laughs> I know. Coming back tomorrow. So, um, but yeah, no, um, I think that when you look in this offensive line class, when you're syncing up the timeline between your quarterback, who is hopefully the QB one of the future, along with a group of guys that are going to protect him for four years, that's going to be something really important for this team. And they're going to have 
I think you can have a lot of success that way because, I mean, we kind of saw with Syracuse when Eric Dungy was there, he was on the same timeline as Cody Conway. And Cody Conway, he kind of he, – he had that trust. He had that dependency in Conway yeah, that he was protecting his blind side. And he knew what he could do. And that, that really was a very, very good relationship between the two of them on the field. Wouldn't it be nice to get Enrique Cruz to be the Cody Conway to exactly. what some are calling Eric Dungy 2.0 and Justin Lampson? I, think- I would love that because Cruz looks like the best blend of talent and interest among yes. the offensive linemen. He's a top 500 guy in the entire class, top 40 offensive tackle. And it also seems like he's very interested and very high on Syracuse despite having a very impressive offer sheet. Yeah, so I don't know about you. And maybe this is just me, but when I view recruiting sometimes, I think of a recruit in two ways. I think, okay, if Syracuse gets someone, and it's not a knock on any of the guys that they've gotten so far, but sometimes it'll be a recruit that I know is pretty good because I watch their tape and I trust the staff here that Syracuse has right now, and I feel good about what the kid said in an interview or something So it's like, okay, I think they just got not a diamond in the rough, but someone that I like more than maybe the ratings say. And then the other case is a recruit like an Enrique Cruz, where that is the type of recruit that you don't even have to sell like a friend that doesn't know anything about Syracuse on. He may have even heard about this commitment just because he follows college football recruiting or which I think is Justin Lampson so far. I think that's the only one that's been like a big time front page 24 seven sports type of recruit. And again, I like what they're doing, but it is nice to get some of those recruits where it's, you know, if you're in a discussion with one of your friends trying to prove that this 2021 Syracuse class to a non Syracuse fan is off to a good start. It's nice to be like, well, what about Enrique Cruz? He's got offers from X, Y, and Z. Or what about Lampson? We beat out Louisville for him, and he's a borderline four-star. So I think they're they're on the cusp of getting one of those. Yeah, totally. I think that would be a really nice cushion for this orange team to have. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to pay off that DraftKings Twitter game that you put off there, Tim, on our Twitter account, at LO underscore Syracuse. So get in your entries if you want to hear your team on the show tomorrow. And then we're also, did you see the 50 Freaks from The Athletic and Bruce Feldman, Tim? There's a pair of orange players. The orange actually tied for the lead among ACC teams on that entire list. That? So they, they even made the tweet, Tim. How about that? There was, they said heavy representation awesome. from, and then they listed off a number of schools, and they included Syracuse on that list. So we'll get to all of that stuff on tomorrow's show. You know, whenever I hear and I see that, that 50 Freaks list come out from The Athletic, I always think of that song Super Freak by Rick James. <laughs> yes, have they canceled Rick James? Rick James has been canceled, right? I think so. Maybe. Has he? I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, so we'll get into we'll get into that 50 freaks list tomorrow. Some good stuff there about just these freak of nature college football players. So I'm excited to talk about that tomorrow. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>